Pickaxe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for dropping into the cast party. Join the cast and crew as they are dropkicked from their Hollywood film set into the crazy world of Dungeons and Dragons. And action! Oh, all right. Gotta think of some more roasts for Jet now that he's a frickin' dragon. <laughs> roast. How to roast... Jet. Ha ha, bet you can't even blow out your birthday candles now. Hmm, <laughs> all right, another one, another one. Um, I thought I was the only one who knew about scales. Ka-chow! <laughs> Get it, music scales? Good one, Sebastian. Um, oh, I got it! Okay, last one. What's the difference between you and your Tesla? Your Tesla only has one horn. <laughs> God, I can't wait to use these. This is the last Cast Party episode of Anniversary Month. We hope you all are enjoying this free sneak peek of our exclusive bonus content that you'll find at patreon.com slash castparty. That also means there's only a week and a half left to snag your limited edition anniversary merch before it's back in the vault cast-party.myshopify.com. We have brand new, awesome designs and returning old favorites. And if you've enjoyed our free bonus content this month, join us over at patreon.com slash castparty for even more goodies. We are less than a dozen patrons away from a completely nonsensical, hilarious series of workout videos we're going to be putting together called Sweat with Jet. Yep, we're making Vince throw on some incredibly short shorts as he runs you through some home workouts. They're mainly for laughs and good times, but we promise there'll be some decent workouts too. Patreon.com slash castparty. We'll see you there. Be sure to join the Discord because we love chatting with you all there. Thank you all so, so much for two whole years of Cast Party, and here's to many more. Enjoy the episode, cast and crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast Party. My name is Colin McManus, and I will be your director for today. I am joined by my lockpicking cast and crew, 
Ryan McManus. Hi, Sebastian Vivaldi Greensleeves, an emo at heart musician who once, with the help of Xander, set up a site like StockX where a bunch of emo kids could resell their band memorabilia. It was just a two-man job, so they were truly unsure of how to trust the quality of the items being sold on their site before they got shipped out. So in order to let their customers know that the clothing and accessories may be questionable, they named the site Shop Iffy. They were later bought out by Shopify, where you can now get brand new limited edition anniversary cast party merch from your favorite D&D podcast. <laughs> but for only two more weeks. So we have the new options, shirts and hoodies, old goodies from the vault, mugs, stickers. So go snag some while you still can. Get some merch that'll make even Xander jealous at cast-party.myshopify.com before they're back in the vault for God knows how long. You only have until the end of November, so be sure to snag them quick. Anna Brisbane. Blueberry Sky, elven druid actress who has never set foot in the Midwest, even Chicago, because she is the definition of a coastal elite. And she's convinced that the upper Midwestern accent is a practical joke and that no one actually has it and she refuses to fall for it. She right. She right. Oh my God. Better than all of us. Stay away. <laughs> Nigel Deacon. Good morrow, Xander Gucci Supreme, who right before coming to Fendrea learned about a new cryptid, one that's possibly his new favorite, and it started in LA. Said that most often, it has one eye, large and extendable, but can be seen with up to four. They didn't have any legs by nature, but are known to sprout three when necessary. Droves of them are seen harassing people around the city, fully visible to everyone, and so few are able to actually stop them. As intimidating as they are purely in numbers, the clicking sound they make is even more horrifying, because once you hear it, it's already too late. They're horrible monsters, hybrids of creatures that shouldn't go together. They're called Cameras. Oh my god. What? Vince Burrito. Hi, Jet the Boulder Chambers, big burly heartthrob whose love resides with his mom and lovely Princess Pebbles. Who is a dog? That makes it sound like you just have just a human woman. I mean, yeah, she's puppy, she's a dog, she's cute, she's fluffy, she's a princess. So Jet, keeping up with the food theme, I know you guys have missed it for a while. Jet always thought that raisins were their own fruit. Up until when he turned 24 when somebody told him that they were indeed made from grapes. And to this day, he still doesn't trust fruit. You know, I can understand that. Fruit as a whole. Honestly, same. Just side-eyeing a bowl of fruit. <laughs> <laughs> And joining us today, we have a very special guest, Maisie Lynn, whose character you will be meeting shortly. But first, let's talk about what happened last time. You all left the Witchfen Forest in search of a village that may help you find a way to Helios. You headed southward as the moons rose in the sky, and you found a large clearing in the forest. You set up camp nearby, and as the rest of you sat down to sleep for the night, Sebastian took out his lyric journal and started writing some questions. While contacting another plane, he found out some information about Earth, particularly information pertaining to his friends and their loved ones. Sebastian fell asleep and dreamt of playing an amazing song in front of a large group of people who showered him with love. After his finale, the woman and man from his previous dream started attacking the partygoers and heading straight for him. Sebastian ran, following the man who could speak to him and his words of encouragement before being tripped up by the woman who forced the music box into his hands. He awoke in the dead of night. In the morning, Xander took a picture of an even more interesting looking jet in which Xander saw the word Omis hidden in the leaves of the willow. 
Jet stormed off a moment and rode pebbles around the clearing where he discovered the beggar from Valorith with the seven dogs playing about. He asked Jet what piece of advice he could give him. Jet wanted to know how to get home with his friends in tow. He told Jet that the best he could do was to find information of those who have traveled before. Home was once connected to Fendrea, but that connection has been lost for centuries. He sat Jet down and put the amulet in his hands and told him to breathe. He stood up as the large platinum dragon with the injured wing stood in front of him. It opened its mouth and engulfed Jet with a draconic breath. As the seven pups turned into seven golden dragons, they flew into the sky. You all saw the largest dragon stop its breath and follow. Coming out of this light was Jet, now a white dragonborn. After this intense night and morning full of talks about what has been going on, you decide to move forward. It wasn't long until you ran into the village from Sebastian's dreams, along with the castle that sits atop the nearby ridge. Heading towards the village, Sebastian recalled every detail of this place perfectly, save for there were no people around this time. You continued deeper into the village to a building where Sebastian had been in one of his dreams. Going around front, Xander tried opening the locked door, bent down to try his luck at picking the lock, just before hearing a voice from the other side. Now, Xander still on one knee getting ready to pick the lock, you see the door opens. And so the scene is set. The question is, Maisie, would you like to introduce your character? Yes. <laughs> Beholden in front of us is a five foot seven built woman. Not like the Marvel muscle, like we're talking actual <laughs> just thick will snap you in half, you know? The ones that everybody dreams of being crushed by. She's got an eye patch. She looks human. She's got some short chestnut hair, bright brown eye, some acid stained, what looks like more wilderness clothes, you know, that you would expect from an outlander. From her ears dangle two vampire fangs, one on each ear that it appears she has uh, made herself. And uh, when she talks, you see her canines are a wee bit bigger than normal and uh, a constellation of freckles across her face as she goes, Now what did I just see about coming in the door like that? Who are you? Oh shit, it worked. See, here's, here's my thought process on that one. If you just try and open a door and it's locked, someone's inside, they're going to be like, whatever, that was weird. But if, you, if someone inside hears someone picking their lock, they're going to come right up. It's faster than just knocking on the door. Hello, my name is Xander. I'll hold up my hand for a dab. <laughs> uh, she's just kind of kind of going to look it up and down and she's going to go, So I don't know about you, but a lot of times when people lock doors, it's because we don't want to open them. You know, there could have been monsters in there. I could be a monster right now. And then how silly would you feel right now? If that's the approach that you're taking, the same could be true for us. Well, that's why I locked the door, is to keep the monsters like you outside. I'm just, I'm not, we're not monsters. I was just trying to make a new friend. Doors block friendships. You know, you want to know who opens knocked doors without asking consent? Not good guys. Not good guys. Good guys knock. No, 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 no. You see, you see what happened here was I was pretending to pick the lock. Well, you were pretending, but you did it successfully. She's going to kind of just look around at each and every one of you. Are y'all dressed in like modern era non-D&D clothes? Half of I'm us. not. It's kind of Is it mixed like the significant now. other getting dragged to the convention kind of a fit? Like, like happy <laughs> shorts, but with like chain mail and pauldrons. Running down the line, you see Sebastian, who is 5'6", 
He is wearing a black and white striped t-shirt and very, very tight black skinny jeans with black and white converse. All right. I have a pastel teal bob, um, but I'm wearing more like green, brown, like rangery D&D stuff that looks like it came from here. I am wearing the shirt that I just sent in the general chat, which is a Gucci bowling shirt. Love it. (laughs) With right now they're Gucci sweatpants and whatever the boots looked like that Jet gave me last time. And two cloaks also? I might be wearing two cloaks. <laughs> Xander's wearing a lot of shit, and he's got a necklace. That is very, like, significant other at the convention. Like, throw yeah. a cloak on. Jet is in all chainmail, and he now looks like a white dragonborn. And I just have a big hammer and a shield that kind of shimmers on the front. Uh, it almost looks almost like a mirror, kind of, but it looks like a moving shimmering within it. I also look like Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> but like young. She's going to say, well, you got the door open. So what was part two of your amazing plan? Uh, hello. <laughs> we didn't really get that far. <laughs> we just knew that this building was familiar. We wanted him to knock. He just, hi, I'm Blueberry. Your parents named you Blueberry. Yeah. Like, like your parent carried you. For nine months, and when you popped out, the first thought was was blueberry. You know, it stands out. I don't. I've never met another blueberry. So do sore thumbs, hon. But okay, all right. No, I love it. It's beautiful. We love blueberries. She's just very, very awkwardly looking around at at everybody, and still just very, very confused. Is that Celeste coming back? You hear from inside. She's gonna turn around. She's gonna go. Nope, it's a bunch of people who don't know the concept of knocking. Oh, most of us do. It's just him. 99.8% of us do. It's it's just the 0.2% that doesn't. That's not the math. They haven't attacked you yet? Well, see, now you say yet. She's going to look at you. Are you going to attack me right now? No. Hands up. No. We didn't plan on it. Hey, Theodore, can you? I, I don't I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do with this. They're not from the village? I don't think they're from this planet, if I'm going to be real with you. Bring them in. Surprisingly accurate. She's going to kind of like gesture you to come in. Take your shoes off. We just cleaned as you're walking in, and then she's going to just press on. Oh. Yes, okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, ma'am. No, okay. I, I bend down to take my shoes off, and then I, I look over to Xander as I'm like kind of hunched over. Remember what Lobo said. Don't fucking spill some shit this time, Okay. I'm good. I'm good. We're good. I'm. We got this, okay? I shut my mouth, you shut yours. I'm gonna lock the door behind us. She hears the door locking and she goes, Oh, so you know how it works if you're doing it. Okay. Perfect. We gotta. We gotta keep ourselves safe. What? Well, I'm just looking out for, for the crew. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm. I got off on the wrong foot. You all open up into a hall of sorts. It looks like a communal area for the village. There doesn't seem to be any like immediate temple iconography or anything related to a a specific god or goddess. Seems to be much more of just like a neutral location for people to join together. There's this long central table that leads to a fireplace that's currently aflame at the other end of this building. You can see a spit with multiple rabbits that have been gutted and are currently cooking atop the fire. This whole hall is extremely empty, save for the woman who let you in the building, and an older man here. He has a top hat on, a large, white, bushy mustache, and he looks 
just kind of exhausted. He stands up with his cane as you guys are walking in. He kind of nods. And Sebastian, you immediately recognize that this man, he has been in your previous dreams. Oh, top hat guy. He stands up and gives a somewhat bow. And he goes, Theodore Carbeticus. Carbeticus. Now, what are you doing here? How did you come upon Hazelrest? We're just wandering, coming through town, and we're looking for a who is around, place to stay, and... You see two of us. It's about all there is left. Bray does a curt nod, and then Bray would instantly be offering people drinks and stuff like that, but I, uh, alas, I do not know if they have, like, a kitchen or tap or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Whatever you want in this building that's within reason. All right, so she's going to walk past the jacuzzi. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think she's also just immediately like, Wookie, all right, well, you know, I'll make yourselves at home. Wait, wait, wait you, you're the only two people in town? Yes. Anyway, are any of you drinkers? Do either of you want water? Sure. I'd love like a tea. Uh, water would be awesome. Water for, for us would be great. Bray, give me a perception check. Ooh, okay. Would you say that this is a check that relies on sight? Very much so. A 10. As you're looking around, you see that you're handing out these drinks, and Sebastian, do you have sleeves on currently? Short sleeves. I don't have my jacket. As you go to hand Sebastian his drink, you see he goes to grab it. On his wrist is a tattoo and you recognize the symbol. This is a symbol that the man in the castle uses to denote himself. Ooh, I forgot to note too, she's covered in tats, but like cool, mysterious, abstract line work tats. But she's gonna take a look at that and she's gonna make eye contact and look you up and down very clearly. And she's gonna go, all right. Thank you for my drink. She does the thing where she's, like, handing it to you, but her grip stays on it a little bit, and then she lets it go. Uh, it, was this your special cup or something? No, you've already touched it. I don't want it anymore. Uh, okay. I think she might shoot Theo a, a look. Like, hey, look at that. Look at this dude. He, like, clocks your look, but he doesn't know what you're talking about immediately. At least from that, you, what you can gather, he's kind of squinting at everyone. She grabs Sebastian's hand and goes, look, he's got the symbol. Whoa, what? Wait, what? What? It's just a tattoo. He gets up really quickly. Where did you get that? Pastel. I got it done by some guy named Jazz. He pulls the top of his cane off, revealing a dagger. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's okay. That's hey, sick hey, as hey. fuck, but whoa, hold up, hold up. I saw it I, I saw it in a dream, and I thought it would look cool, so I was like, hey, might as well get a first tat. Spontaneous. I once dreamed about a chicken with a knife. I didn't get that tattooed on me, bud, so... Would have been pretty sick if you did. Well, I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate. Understandable. So you recognize this symbol? You shot in a dream. Yeah. Is that why you're here? Yeah. Well... Well, no, we were just no. passing through. It, it was more, uh, we stumbled upon this place. We didn't seek it out. I never thought I would see that clock tower in my entire life, but here we are. You've seen it before. In my dream. Have you seen anything else about this place? You. 
Why did you get him tattooed on you then? <laughs> <laughs> you can see even Theo just like a little smile. Listen, that happened after we went to the tattoo parlor. We haven't had a chance to go back yet. So who else did you see? Tell him, Sebastian. Are you sure? I think we're going to get more info from these guys than we than we think. Bray leans in, curious. The more you tell him, the better right now. Can I see any indication of magistrate affiliation in this room or on either of them? Roll perception. 21. You do not see any symbol, any stray pieces of fabric that would look like the red with the black symbol on it. It does not look like you see any magistrate iconography. I'll just shrug and give a singular nod to Sebastian. It was you and a lady with red hair. Bray shoots a knowing look over to Theodore. <laughs> Catches your gaze at the same time. He's talking about Celeste. He is talking about Celeste, you know, and I think she might want to hear about... You know, oh, this is quite the conundrum. She's also been gone quite some time. Well, what makes you think it was her and not just some other woman with red hair? Because she speaks about her dreams in which a man uses a guitar to wake her up. Hey, yo. From her nightmares. Oh. She makes me use a music box to wake me up. Celeste has left. She was getting tired of waiting around for the one to save Hazelrest, which I believe is you. That's a problem. She says you're the only one who can help us and figure out what is happening to the villagers inside that damned manor. I still think we should just burn it. There are people in there? The entirety of the village. They're not coming back anyway. They can. We might be able to save them. Why is the entire town in there? Is that why this place is empty? Ish. How long have they been in the manor? Six months. Six months? They are forever dancing. <gasps> They're dancing. Forever dancing. Dancing. I saw them dancing. How do you know? We have a man on the inside. That you can communicate with? Through bird. <gasps> That's about it. That's so cool. Before we talk more, I think we should go get Celeste. She said we should go get her if she takes too long. How long has she been there? Oh, she's not in the castle. Oh, where? She's in the library. She took a, a book, the book, to the town library. She wanted to see if she could translate it, see if there was any information from it that she could get. Oh, I might be able to help. Sebastian sparks up, recalling dreams. Was it that gross book with human skin on it? Yes. Ew! Ew. That's kind of sick. The book was found in the basement of the manor. An old butler of Malathorns accidentally stumbled upon a basement. He said it was filled with necromantic energy and feelings of death. Leftover rituals of kinds he didn't understand. He grabbed the book as proof and ran, saving him and his son from the manor before all of this nonsense began. And that's why you say we should burn it down. Uh, and that is a wonderful plan G. <laughs> <laughs> the book was taken by a man named Flinrick. He was the first to open the book, and it was cursed in some way. He met his fate later that same day. His son, Quinry, is still with us. He is the one on the inside of the castle. 
He knows it like the back of his hand. He used to work there for many years. That book, Celeste thought, would have some way of summoning you. And he nods towards you, Sebastian. And she was dodging this curse that killed him, how? It's a good question. She does not know how to get around the curse, though we don't know if the curse is still active or what. We haven't opened the book since Flynnric died, but she was getting desperate. If she went to go study it, maybe it worked, and that's why we're here. Or maybe she's dead, and that's why she's taken so long to come back. Yes, which is why you should probably go check on her. Yeah, uh, Bray is going to grab another giant tankard of mead, just slam it, but like for slightly too long, you know, so you get that like little bit of too long of a silence of just gulp, gulp, gulp. She's going to slam it down and then do the Midwestern get up thing from where she was sitting, where you smack your knees and you're like, well, <laughs> well, well, I'm going to go find Red. They should go with you just in case. If you die, it's not my fault. And she just starts walking out. I'm on board. I'm ready to go. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. Heading over to the library, you again have to walk through this mostly abandoned village. It is blistering hot. It's a beautiful summer day. But some of the large buildings kind of shade you as you walk. The library here has almost a temple-like look from the outside. It's got these large spires that dot its various roof levels. And it's got a short central tower in the center of the roof about 30 feet up. The front door is still open, and there is light coming from the inside from what looks to be torches that have been lit, as well as there is a mysterious gray mist just a foot off the ground that slowly rolls out of the building and disperses in the wind. Bray is going to do a uh, perception check. Listen, I may not know much, but I do know that mysterious fog coming out of a building usually is not good. It doesn't usually do that. You know, usually fog happens outside. 21. You see, obviously, very quickly that this mist is not natural. And it's very dense. Which means it's hard to kind of see the ground. And from where you are, you can see that the light on the inside is illuminating the top of it. And then you can see that there is a central staircase in the library that the smoke seems to be coming down. She's going to nudge Sebastian forward and, she, and uh, she's going to go, all right, you're the one with the dreams. What does that mean I have to go first? Because feet chose you. Now let's get a move on. And she does like a gentle little like shove forward. Sebastian will just shake his head. Well, destiny's a bitch and waltzes on in. Let us know if you start seeing any like weird little people on your hand or something. Whoop, there he goes. Look at him go. And she's going to turn to the rest of the group. Oh, oh so you were just going to let him go in. No, no, we're just making sure it's safe. Don't, he's not going too far, right? No, I, I, I won't go too far. Don't worry. You're okay? So far. You feel okay? I'm breathing. It doesn't hurt? You don't see anything weird? Not yet. I will follow. Yeah, you all follow in. Entering the library, Sebastian, you're the first one to see bookshelves all around, some seating areas where books have been grabbed and opened. You can see a desk here that looks like someone working here would set up that looks like it's just been completely ransacked. Drawers ripped out, spilled onto the ground, papers thrown everywhere, chair knocked over. The library is pretty much one big room, a couple small offshoot rooms. The most impeding thing you can see in this room is that single spiral staircase that goes up, and you can see that this mist just is coming down. Well, I guess, uh, 
If if your friend's not down here, we head on up the spooky, mist-filled staircase. Climbing up. Following. Upstairs, you see another floor. This one not lit by any torches. It seems pretty misty here as well. But you see that the staircase continue upward, and the mist seems to be coming from even higher up in the library. As you continue, you're reaching higher up the staircase. You see a door noted with the word restricted. It is wide open with a key in its lock. The mist here is much thicker, and the only light source seems to be a torch in a sconce on the wall. Sebastian, you're the first one to see as you're going first. From the doorway, there is a redheaded human woman here. This is the woman from your dreams, Sebastian. She is sitting here staring at a book in front of her. It's this large book. It's opened, and you can see from here that this is the book that has that human skin. And it is just spewing gray mist from the pages of the book. You can see her eyes are completely gray, no pupils in sight. As you walk up, you can hear her chanting. Reality collides with a world unseen, not by the dead, the ones unclean. Creation of mine, overrun by fate, internally confined, embracing the hate. A space without time, a place without space, a place without friend, only demons to face. Dreams of kindness and bliss might fare, but not in this everlasting nightmare. As her neck cracks to look at you, Sebastian, You can see the pages of the book spew more mist as a portal begins to be creating itself on the book. Bray nudges Xander and points at the key in the door and she goes, see, now that means you can go in. Now's not the time. A figure begins rising out of the portal, a hulking creature, its face broken down. It has tusks that extrude from its lower jaw, completely bald head that comes out of the front of its body more than the top. It's wearing dark brown plate armor that has these large nails shoved into it all around, like someone hammered them into the armor while it was wearing it. It brings with it two sources of light, a whip barbed and ablaze in gray, unearthly fire, and a dagger doused in the same. And as this being crests over the book, you can see that from the portal, two chains shoot up and into the ceiling as another being pulls itself out. This one is much more humanoid than the first. It's wrapped in a mass of chains around its body. You can see only two beady eyes on its head and this muscular build underneath of pure red skin. They stand atop the table in the middle of the room looking at Celeste before looking your direction. Oh, whoa, 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 can I run Roll up? initiative. Oh, shit, just kidding. Oh, damn it. <laughs> okay. Someone just closed the book. That's a four. 16. 19. Uh, that is a nine. Hey, that's also a nine. What's your dex? Uh, my dex is a plus three. Oh, you're first. That is the large, more hulking monster's turn. There's one with the whip and the dagger. Sebastian, you are the one in the doorway. This guy is going to move closer to you. This area is about 50 feet in diameter. Perfectly circular tower. He does not have to move that far to be within 15 feet of you. You can see that large whip. You can hear this loud, dark, (laughs) demon-like as he's coming at you. Oh, that is a 21 to hit. 
almost doubles. Oh, yeah, you have like 12 AC right now, right? No armor, baby. Oh, because no uh, jacket. I don't have my jacket anymore. Damn it. Oh, at least I have that 9 temp HP. You're taking 8 slashing damage and 10 fire damage, and I need a strength saving throw from you. That's a 15 for the strength saving throw. You can see as this thing whips at you, it's able to grab one of your arms. And you can see the whip wrap around you and almost tie like a tourniquet. Oh, you are grappled. He's going to use the other part of his whip to pull you 10 feet. Holy crap. So you are now right within five feet of him. You can see he's brandishing a dagger, the dagger he has. It looks like he's coming at you, but that is the end of his turn. Ow, help, please. Jet, you are up. Xander, you're on deck. So I'm going to try to burst through right next to him. And as I'm going over for a bonus action, I'm going to cast magic weapon. Then we're going to run up to it and we're going to try to hit it right where that kind of whip is holding on to Sebastian to try to break it off of him. Like the base of the whip where his hand is, basically. If you're trying to hit a specific spot, I'm just adding plus two to his AC. 18 to hit. That misses. Moves his hand out of the way as you run up. Wow. I'm just going to follow it. You're going for the hand again? Yeah, I'm trying to. I just want to break him free. 23 to hit. That will hit. Yes, thank you. Seven. You're able to hit. He is able to keep a really good grip on that whip. Damn it. Xander, you are up. All right. Uh, so I'll move up and just kind of like slip in over to the side so that I can see everything that's going on. And I'm going to cast Summon Aberration. Ooh. Oh, shit. Whoa. Which aberration we doing? I'm going to throw a slot right down where that big chain man is. I don't want to do anything else with my turn, so I'll push it over onto him, and he'll throw out two claw attacks at the red man. First attack. 23 to hit. That hits. 22. That hits. The first attack is 11 slashing damage. Second one is 13 slashing damage, and it can't regain hit points until the start of the Aberration's next turn. Both of these claws come out, able to get in between some of these areas where the chain links are in these chains. You start to scrape, and it's almost like you can't even see the blood coming out because of how red this being is. That is its turn. It is going to rush away from the slot. It sees other beings here that are more interesting to it. So the slot will get an opportunity attack if you'd like. Fuck yeah, it would. Dirty 20. Yeah, that hits. 12 slashing damage. Jet, you're on the outside. You're attacking the larger of these creatures. This thing has arms that are like caught up in all these chains and it just swings one at you. Does a 25 hit you, Jet? Yep. That is 11 slashing damage, and you are grappled. God, me too. It's going to move back onto the book, pulling you with it. So you're about 10 feet away from the open book. It's got another attack with the chain, so it's going to try to hit the slot as well. That's a dirty 20 to hit the slot. That hits. 11 slashing damage. And that is Bray's turn. So Bray's going to just take a look around and she's going to also look over to a, who she calls Red and she's going to go, oh, fuck shit. She's going to take her eye patch and like move it to the side, uh, revealing a bright orange, yellow, almost canine eye 
do like the typical like crack the bones in the neck and she lurches forward and as she does she transforms into a giant eight foot tall werewolf covered in battle scars menacing dripping with malice giant fucking claws and she is going to uh go after the uh the whippy boy who is trying to drag one of yous into the uh the book She's gonna go to try to remove the limb that has the uh, chain. She's gonna be like, I'll do you one better. I'm not gonna go for the chain. I'm gonna go for the arm. That is an 11. No, that's not gonna do it. I figured. All right, so then the other attack. I have a feeling that one might hit because that one is a 24 to hit. Yes, very much hits. And with a giant roar, she's going to um, lurch forward and she's gonna use her claws. All right, that is going to be nine damage with that. And then as part of that same action, I get to make an additional claw attack, apparently. That one's also not going to do it, which is annoying as hell, because that's a 12. So you take this claw, you slash at this thing. It looks like it is actively like holding on to this chain. You're able to get a good gash out of this thing's arm. Sebastian, you're up. Uh, with the opposite arm, my right arm, because my left arm's grappled. Sebastian whips Daisy around. He can't really play it because his arm's grappled, but he's just going to think really hard seeing all these demons and just chaos going on around him. Uh, he's going to start thinking about Doom. And in honor of Mick Gordon, I would like the Doom soundtrack to just be blaring in the mind of the demon that is grappling me with the whip. I would like to cast Ralathim's Psychic Lance, please. Ooh. Yeah. What kind of saving throw is that? That is an intelligence saving throw of 17. That's an eight. Yes. yes. Okay, so he is taking 32 psychic damage and he is incapacitated until the start of my next turn. Work. With that, you are no longer grappled. Ooh, Let's go. Excellent. Hell yeah. Seeing that, I'm going to kick the whip off my hand and I'm going to take about 10 feet back. Thank you, Mick Gordon. I love you. I feel like that that saving throw was so bad that we could hear it coming out of his ears. Like, just we oh, heard yeah. the doom sound. Everyone's like, oh, getting yeah. hype now, too. There we go. <laughs> Unintended bardic inspiration from doom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blueberry, you are up. And Chet, you're on deck. Uh, I'm gonna run into the doorway, finally see everything that's going on, and just... <laughs> yeah, it's not good. You might want to stay back here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna be back into to the wall behind me in the stairwell and just um be muttering under my breath, just like, oh, face spirits, come, please kick these demon things in the face! And cast Conjure Animals. Four white, wispy, almost Patronus-like, but more corporeal than that. White war horses are going to be summoned in the room. Holy crap. Four? Yeah. I would like one to the left of the whippy boy, to the right of the whippy boy, between the two, and then one below Chain Devil Man. Seeing all of these pop up, I just, I turn my head back at Blueberry. I always knew you were secretly a horse girl. Got him. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Each one, the first three, are going to make hoof attacks against Whip Guy. Natural 20. Oh my, oh my god. god. Get him. Critical horse. Critical horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 24 bludgeoning damage. Oh Holy one shit. Hoof hit to the face. 
You are absolutely like ripping skin off this thing. Crushing bones. It is looking pretty rough. Uh, second one's gonna go for the same thing. A 22 to hit. That hits. That's 10 bludgeoning. Third one's gonna go for it. Dirty 20 to hit, and then 12 bludgeoning. This thing looks like it's on death's door. Uh, if only the other horse could like reach it. There's not really room. So the other one's gonna go for chain devil. That's 16 to hit. That hits. Yes. Only six bludgeoning. And I'm gonna back up into the stairwell. That would be the larger demon's turn, but was incapacitated because of Ralithims. So Jet, you're up. I can't move at all because I'm still grappled. I'll use an action to try to get out of that. I believe it's an athletics check. Athletics of 19. You are able to wrench off this chain. God, I'm never going to get used to this place. Okay. Yeah, I'll move closer towards the guy in the book. Xander, you are up. I'll just do Toll the Dead on the fella on the ground. Toll the Dead is wisdom save of 18. That is a 17. Nice. 19 necrotic damage. You see this thing all of a sudden looks like it's regaining itself and it looks at you and it's got these tucks that come out and it just goes. <laughs> it hears that bell in its mind. It falls dead. I don't remember what Xander's bell is. Didn't we have something for Xander's toll the dead? I don't remember, but I kind of want it to be like the Taco Bell, Dun. like bell. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I will let the aberration just, I'll just let him attack. 27 to hit. Hit. 25. Also hit. First hit is 10 slashing damage, and the second is 16. This thing is extremely bloody. You can see this time that all the chains are just covered in blood, though it is still standing, and that is its turn. You can see this thing puts its feet through the portal and starts going through it, but not without whipping a chain towards Bray. 24 to hit. Yes, yes, that'll that'll do it. It hits you, and you are grappled. Rah. It swips another chain around at Jet. That is a 17, 18 to hit Jet. Does not. Bounces off that shield, but you can see this beady, bloody eyes as it continues going through the portal and it just grabs tight on the chain that is currently connected to Bray. Bray, that is your turn. You are restrained. At the start of your turn, you can feel these chains just dig into you. You are taking six piercing damage. You also see that this thing is very, very, very unhealthy. Once she's bound, is she, are her arms down to her sides or could she like- No, you can still attack. Can I still? Okay, cool. So she is. She she shall do that. 15 to hit. That does not hit. Okay, so there's my first attack. Here's my second attack. Hey, there we go. That is a 21 to hit. Very much hits. The claws are coming out. All right, so that is going to be an 11 for that first claw. Bray, it's yours. Let's go! Can I do a really dramatic, like, she, like, busts through the chains, roars. His lower half is still standing up in the portal because she just took the top half with her. So it's just legs descending back to Hal. You have gone through the upper half 
slowly both of these bodies in the room start turning to ash. The whip and the dagger explode. Oh. oh. Anyone within 30 feet, which is all of you, must make a deck save for me, hey, please. Hey, I'm all way behind the wall. Surely not. Yeah, yeah, you have cover. Oh, you bitch. I'm going to use a lucky point. I got an 18. Passes. 19. Passes. 11. 23. All of the horses were sub 10, except for one got a 13. Oh, no. Oh. Eight fire damage and eight thunder damage, or half on a save. They explode in this burst of flame. Each of the horses have three HP. <laughs> oh, no. They're still up. Let's go. The fluffy babies. <laughs> I'm going to run in towards them. Hello, my friend. My name's Sean, and I want to end your suffering. No, not like that. With meditation in my new podcast, Mindfulness for Gamers. Each episode, I'll take you through how mindfulness can help you to feel less anxious and frustrated and put you on a path of happiness, all through the lovely, grimy lens of video games. So make time to level up your mental health and take the first step on your spiritual skill tree. Join me and subscribe to Mindfulness for Gamers right here, right now. You do see that the portal of this book has slowly dissolved, but it is still like spraying mist. And Celeste, who is here, just staring at the book with these glazed over gray eyes. I, I want to run over to the book and just slam it shut. As some of this mist clears out, <sighs> Celeste starts to breathe and she is just dripping in sweat as her eyes look back to normal. Bray, now in human form, walks up to, to Celeste and she goes, All right, you okay there, Red? Everything okay? She grabs your face. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. That wasn't meant to. You're that okay, wasn't though. To. I need a yes or no. You're okay? Yes, yes. She's okay. going to grab you by the front and shake you like, What the fuck were you thinking? You were summoning things from hell. I didn't mean to. It's just that it did. The words sounded like you meant to. It's you. And she looks at Sebastian. Sebastian's just in the doorway, blank face, like, uh, hi. It, it worked. I think she's going to grab the book away. No more. You're done. You're done. I don't need it. It did work. It brought my dreams to reality. He's here. And she points to Sebastian. He found his way here. What type of dreams have you had? Nightmares, mostly. About the man. About you. Same. You're saying he's the boy of your nightmares? Oh, writing that down in the lyric journal? I would say these were the boys of my nightmares. She points to the ash piles. Ugh. So your nightmares became reality through that book. From what I gathered, the page was about bringing dreams to life. And in this case, it brought nightmares, but also you. As you start walking out, you guys are coming out of the library. Celeste quickly ushers you, Sebastian. She comes close to you. I need to know what is, what is your name? Sebastian. And I take it you're Celeste. I am. How, how did you do it? How, how did you get into my dreams? How did you get into mine? What? I've seen you, you and your, your old buddy back at the hall. Okay, yeah, because you were with me in the dreams that Theo was in. Why isn't Theo having these dreams? Do not know. Theodore never mentioned the dreams, and he never mentioned that he was capable of anything, so he just thought I was crazy. 
but now I'm not. You're here. Why do you think you're having these dreams? Like, why do you, why do you even need Sebastian here? It's fate. He's the one that's going to help us save Hazelrest. What, what is it in your dreams that I do that saves everybody? You help wake us all up. In the dreams, we get taken. Our brains start to succumb to Valentine. The man in the castle. But every time he's there, you're able to wake me up with that one song. But you wake me up in my dreams. No, no. You save me from the dreams when things get bad. Yep, that that's you for me too. Little music box. She shakes her head, gripping her temples as you guys get out of the library. She gets silent for a moment as you guys walk over to the building where Theo is. Can I ask, is there a certain song or certain notes that he plays to wake you up? Yes, it's it's just these four notes that I've never heard before. That's the same one, right? It's the same one. Sebastian, what type of sound was her music box playing for you that woke you up every time? Same four notes. The same four? Every single time. And you've never heard it in guitar version? No, it's always the music box. She finds me. I point to Celeste. And then she takes it out of my pocket, shoves it in my hands. And then I, I give it a crank, does the little dings, and then I wake up. Celeste, do you know anything about any music box like that? This doesn't matter. We need to go. We need to save those people. How are we going to save them? What, what do you expect us to do in there? Sebastian is here. Sebastian has killed Valentine before. Dive what? what now? In my dreams. How did he do it before? Simple. He got into his mind. Somehow. I want to save those people. I feel like they're a bit past being saved. It's been six months. How much stores of food or water are available? Who would actually survive that? And who's to say we can even reverse it? We gotta burn it down so that it doesn't spread to the next village and the next. I'm not doing it because I hate people. I'm doing it because I want to do damage control. You all think I'm a monster, but here's me trying to quarantine and contain what's going on here. They've quarantined themselves. The mansion is on lockdown. She looks at you, Sebastian, comes really close to you and grabs your hand. Are you here to help or not? I mean, we stumbled upon this town for a reason. You've been in my dreams for a reason. You're here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. Let's let's do it. You know he won't stop calling to you. He was in the dreams too, wasn't he? Your dreams. Only twice. But yeah. It's not normal. We can't just leave an entire village worth of people forever dancing in that bloody manner. No, we can't. So what do you propose? Let's go back inside. All head back into that main building where Theodore is. He nods as you all enter, and he kind of looks nervous when he sees Celeste covered in sweat. But before he can say anything, she's just like, I'm fine, Theodore. Get out the notes. We're planning the attack. When she's like, I'm fine, Bray slams the book in front of Theo and goes, despite her best fucking efforts, and then just goes and grabs another tankard of mead. She comes over. Can I put it away? No, you can't. Get your fucking hands off the skin book. Then can you put it in the back at least? Oh my fuck. And she picks it up and she starts walking away. She peeks her head back in and she goes, I'm hiding this. She does like the I'm watching you thing. And then she just disappears around the corner. 
Theodore goes to a nearby bookshelf and retrieves a few folded up pieces of paper, lays them out for all of you to see. These are the only things we know about the inside of the manor as of now. These were all sent to us from Quinry inside. You can see Celeste goes away into a different side room for just a moment, and you can see she returns, her hair kind of put up as not to get into her face, and you can see that she's already put some armor over top her clothing she's been wearing, and she has a large crossbow in her one hand. As she comes out, she chucks it on the central table with a thud. The manor's currently on lockdown. Nobody gets in or out. Everyone on the inside is just out of control of their minds. They just endlessly dance in their party attire. Quinry has tried to awaken them in several ways, but to no avail. They look right past him. Even his best friends, those who he knows dearly. All they do is continue to dance and party. The only time they do anything else is when Valentine is playing the piano. They just gather around to cheer for him. I fear we will have to figure out how to end this through him. Quinry's also noted he believes that the service people are working with Valentine. Those who bring the food and wine to the guests, they are charmed all the same, but he believes they act different. He thinks they are watching him and reporting back to Valentine. Okay. So, it sounds like we, if we stop Valentine, we might be able to stop whatever's happening to them? That's the idea. My thought is if he is playing the piano and that's when they all kind of snap out of it, at least for a second, and act a little differently. What if I jump in and try to play the song that wakes me up on the piano? Just the thought if I can reach it. I've seen it in my dreams before. Didn't Celeste say that it was your guitar in her dreams? You might be able to just do it from there. It's as good of an idea as any. How are you all feeling? This is a rush. We do need to figure this out. Quinry's last note included that some of the villagers were starting to get exhausted from dancing, no longer able to keep their spirits up, and they were brought deeper into the manor, but he doesn't know what happened to them. If we could chill for like an hour, I feel like I'd be up for this next bit. Kind of get our bearings, feel this out. Are we expecting a fight? Are we expecting diplomacy? Like, what? what's the plan here? I don't really want to have to kill him if I don't have to. I'll do it. Perfect. I'll free everyone's brains, and then she could do the dirty work. Hey, yo, speaking of dirty work, Bray, were you like a, are you like a werewolf or something? Yeah, yeah. that was fucking crazy. Speaking of monsters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. That's a little different. That's kind of dope. Back home, we have this, we have things called like, well, they're called werewolves still, but there's also like Rougarous and like skinwalkers and stuff that can do similar stuff. Yeah, we don't have that back home. Um, yes, we but... do, Blueberry. Just because you haven't seen them doesn't mean they aren't there. But you have control over it. You could just do it whenever you want. I mean, there's no problem. It doesn't, no full moon, no nothing. Like, oh, yeah. You're still completely in control. Oh, yeah. That's good. She did help us while she went. Full-on feral. I mean, I can turn into a wolf, but not like a hybrid situation. I'm going to pull out the bag of donuts so I can hopefully get a vegan one for blueberry. Uh, I got four. I'll hand over the one that's got a V on the bottom over to blueberry. Thank you. Blueberry, I promise we'll get you something other than donuts someday. I know. I, I, I feel like you've eaten nothing but donuts. Yeah. Miss a good meal sometimes. Uh, Bray, have you ever had a, a donut? Theo? Celeste? Donut? Do... Nut? Is it a nut? Like... Like a... Like a peanut? Well, oddly enough, this one does have peanuts on it. 
She's going to hesitantly take it. It's a maple glazed with peanut crumbles on top. She makes uncomfortable eye contact as she sniffs it all over just to make sure that you aren't pulling, like you aren't pulling something. You did see me pull it out of a bag that was flat a second ago, and he like opened it and pulled out the donut. So it does look suspicious, but it's just magic. Give me a smell perception check. Dirty 20. As you are smelling the donut, it smells phenomenal, very maple-y, but you catch something else in the building. Familiar smell. Coming from Xander. What am I smelling? I'm going to message you (gasps) to see if you would like to reveal or if this is hidden from everyone. She's going to take a bite and then she's going to do like the dog thing that dogs do when they get peanut butter stuck on the roof of their mouth for a little bit. Just awkward. like <laughs> All while maintaining eye contact. Yeah, like like uncomfortably close, you know. Her eye patch is back over to hide the one perma wolf eye. And she's going to look you up and down and she's going to go, Okay, all right. So what do you all know about uh, werewolves, by the way? Just a quick little question. Just... What I've read about back home. They're associated with moons, where we're from, full moons. And usually they don't have control over themselves. They're really, really violent. They just kind of have their bodies take over. So does me turning scare any of you? It's kind of sick, actually. Not if you say you have control. Don't really have much of an issue. We see Blueberry turn into things all the time. Bray is going to take another bite out of the donut gonna lean over to uh, Xander and she's gonna go, you and I are gonna have a little bit of a talk, okay, dear bud? Is the donut that bad? No, it's something it's something private. I mean, we can do you wanna talk about the donut? Do you wanna talk about it? Oh, no. no, I mean, if it's it's something else, we can talk about it whenever you're good. Yeah, it's in private. Okay, alright. Everyone does get your short rest if you want to roll hit die or anything like that. Ooh, you guys get your Temp HP. Okay, Let's good. Go. Ooh, sick. Maisie, you get a nine temp HP. Ooh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling great. That was that was a nice little meal. I'm reinvigorated. So the way in, the front door is locked. Shouldn't be a problem getting through it. But Quinry says the servers walk through the foyer all the time, and nothing happens to them. Though he saw a rat scurry quickly through the foyer once, and ignite in flame. Oh, there may be traps to worry about. I believe getting in the main door will be safest, as at least we know what to expect. Quinry said he hasn't been able to explore the manor completely. We could try getting in a different way, but we would be going in blind. We wouldn't know what traps were about. Front door's as good as any. Uh-huh. If you think that's going to be the safest for all of us in the end, what, I mean, what's the downside? Are we all ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. You said it was a rough job, so... And she grabs her crossbow grabs a quiver full of bolts, slings it around her shoulder, and heads out. You can see that both Celeste and Theodore are coming with you. Theodore has his cane. You have to walk outside in the village, through the forest, and you can see the castle looking over top the ridge above you. There is a well-kept cobblestone path heading off the village and then up the side of the nearby cliffs leading to the castle. It's a nice walk. Again, it's quite hot out, but as you go up the ridge, the wind starts to pick up, cooling you off a bit. It's not too long of a walk, not too steep. Eventually, you get to the top of the ridge. 
The central clock tower looms much larger than it seemed from the ground. The two guard towers on either side completely devoid of life. A central path leads through a gated entryway and heads straight for the center of the castle. It's like a small courtyard here with some dead plant life. Some trees still have leaves, but any flowers here have not been cared for in some time. And there is just a double-doored entrance ahead of you. Are we trying to be sneaky? Should we- should I spend the only charges of the stuff I have to go... sneaky? If you think so. I mean, they said that everyone inside is just dancing. I don't think they're gonna pay any mind to us. And if we're gonna catch fire anyways... <laughs> oh, true. Not gonna be too stealthy. I'm gonna be screaming and it won't be quiet. Yeah. Does he have eyes on the outside of the building? Like, is he gonna know that we're just approaching in general? I don't know. I don't see anyone. Is it possible to pretend that our minds have been gobblegooked and pretend that we're dancing and we're just really, 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 really late to the party? Yeah, we could do that. I don't know if we're in the right attire, but we could try. I'm always dressed to party. Since you like to just break into doors, would you? All right, I'm not going to be able to live this down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, I got you. And I will walk up and attempt to open the doors. Dirty 20. This was a surprisingly easy lock to pick for such an extravagant mansion. It's a little bit run down of a mansion, but you can just easily pop it open. And immediately going through this main entryway, you can see you're in a large circular foyer here, about 100 foot in diameter. The other end of this circle has two large staircases that lead upward and then left and right respectively. On the ground floor, directly across from you, is an ornate set of double doors. As you are here, you can see a woman dressed up in fanciful clothing, carrying a tray of wine glasses while swaying back and forth. Big smile on her face. And she pushes through those doors. And from where you are, you can see people dancing in the room ahead before that door closes behind the woman. All of this is just past the foyer. You are just in the entryway. It's a very large circular room. And you can see there is a long carpet leading towards those doors to the ballroom. The carpet is royal purple, and about 50 feet away from you in the center, there is an inscribed diamond shape in the rug. Do I remember any of this from any dreams? That is the ballroom you were in. The first thing you notice is that diamond in the center is not a perfect diamond. It is a little bit stouter on the bottom and then raised a little bit like a teardrop. You look down at your wrist and you see that same diamond. Oh, okay. Recap, everybody. That is the same ballroom that I've seen multiple times in my dreams. And the little, little shape at the end of the carpet, uh, that's this right here. And I hold up my wrist. That's at least part of it. It's like half of it. I would say maybe avoid that. Yeah, avoid ballroom is bad in your dreams. No, sorry. A avoid that shape. Ballroom? I don't know. The ballroom is where I saw the piano, so like... If we were gonna try that plan of me just playing real quick, all the people are in the ballroom and I didn't think I saw anyone else. Can we hear music from there? No. See, they don't dance to music, it, they're just chilling. So I feel like if I play music just like Celeste said Valentine did, then like why, why wouldn't that work? It's worth a shot. I mean, it might, it might alert them to our presence. If they ignore everyone else, I think I can get away with four notes, right? This is a big castle, though. It could echo off the stone. 
How far away is the ballroom? 100 feet. I mean, do we want to just hit the ballroom while we're down here? And then if that fails, we can make our way upstairs. Describe to me how you are walking around this circular room. You want to go clockwise or counterclockwise? Clockwise. Clockwise. Okay. We'll follow along the left-hand side of the room going clockwise. Uh Uh-huh. Against the wall. As quietly as we can. (laughs) As you get to this western side, you see that in the wall is carved like a jagged mark. And as you look down, you can see that also looks like it could be part of the rune. And you walk clockwise all the way around. Make it to the other side completely unharmed. Should you play from the doorway or go inside to play? I feel like inside is dangerous. I also feel like it's kind of dangerous, but I feel like... I feel like I gotta try the piano. Before the guitar? That's what I was playing in my dreams. Okay. If we're going based off Celeste's dreams, it's the guitar, but in my dream that I had last night, I played that piano. Okay, okay, let's do the piano. Buddy, whatever you think is gonna be the best. I'll sneak in and try to cautiously walk across the dance floor in between the little dancing people and try to hop on stage. It's a room, Sebastian, you've seen again two times before from different angles. This time, eerily quiet. At least a hundred people here are dancing around with each other, some alone, some in groups, some with pairs. No music. There are maybe a dozen servers here walking around between the people curtsying or bowing when someone takes a drink or an hors d'oeuvre. It does look like these people are like actively drinking and eating. And then there is the small dais here with a piano on it. No one sitting or playing. It is just so silent. Are the rest of you all coming in as well? How far does he have to go to get the piano? 50 feet. We're at least in the doorway, I think. I'm staying at the doorway. Yeah, Bray's gonna stay in the doorway, peeking through the... Yeah. Can I have, like, one of you in on the dance floor, just in case? Celeste comes up, locks a bolt into her crossbow. I'll be right behind you. That works! I'm gonna run up on stage. Blueberry, your passive perception is... 19. Blueberry, you are looking around, you're watching everyone, and you're looking at the servers who are, again, big smiles on their face. But you see one server that eyes dart to look at the doorway seeing you all, and then goes back to normal, handing out hors d'oeuvres. Sending stone, say to everyone, we were just clocked by one of the servers. I'll say out loud to the folks that are nearby, just be on guard, just in case one of the servers clocked us. You want me to kill him? Not yet. Sebastian from the stage will get eyes on the server that Blueberry warned us about and just sit at the piano. Celeste is scanning the room, crossbow out. What are you doing, Sebastian? I sit down at the piano, just like in my dream. I do a little neck crack, sit up tall like my dad told me. Everyone starts to look at you, and they start running over to the stage, waiting on bated breaths to hear you play. A little startled seeing the rush, a different rush takes over him, like an adrenaline rush, like he just hopped on stage for a show. He raises his finger, and he goes, G, F sharp, B, E. Those notes play 
they get excited. They, they seem to be like waiting for more, but they still have this glazed look on their face. Sending stone back to Blueberry and Xander. Okay, the, the four notes didn't work. Keep playing. Keep, okay. Play the whole song. I'll start into the song. You start into the song. This love is coming towards you. They are so excited. You can start to hear cheering whenever there's a big crescendo. As the climax of the song comes on, they're all staring at you, loving you. And Sebastian, you hear all of a sudden it goes like kind of quiet as you hear. And it's coming from the door just behind the curtain. And as it opens, you see the man. Well done. You are a natural. Handsome as ever. He's got this sly smile as he makes eye contact with you just a few feet away. As you're looking at him from behind, you can hear Celeste has the crossbow up and is looking directly at him, anger in her eyes. And he just says, hmm, won't be needing that. I'm just here to talk especially to this amazing man right here, gestures to you, Sebastian. And he takes a step forward, reaches out his hand. Valentine Malathorn. What do you want with me? What is your name? Holds that hand out to you. I think you already know. I know what you can do. I don't know who you are. My name is Sebastian. Nice to meet you. I don't know if I can say the same. You're going to disregard pleasantries in a place like this. We are those who enjoy the finer things. We are not heathens. I'll stand up from the piano. Thank you for letting me play for your crowd, at least. It's been a while since I've played piano. And I'll shake his hand. As he pulls you in close and he shows you the tattoo on your wrist as it's glowing. Give me a wisdom saving throw with disadvantage. Oh, fuck. <gasps> oh, shit. Oh, fuck. That was a seven. That's a fucking nine. I'm going to use lucky. That's a ten. Total? Yeah. Damn. Oh, shit. You're done. You all see Sebastian standing here, and Sebastian, man lets go of your hand, and you look up at him, and he's got this proud smile on his face. He darts his eyes over to where Celeste is. You regard this man in such high praise right now, and you look at someone who has this crossbow bolt ready to go, and you hate her. You see the others here. They don't feel like friends right now. Stop, that's, that's not needed. He's not getting you two. He calls to you, Sebastian, back puts his arm out. I'm gonna start walking in. You guys, you guys don't need to be here. It's okay. Everything's okay. Doesn't look okay. I don't trust that. You're not talking right right now. It's okay. He's, he's fine. He comes up and puts his hand on your shoulder. Sebastian smiles down at you as Celeste starts bringing up crossbow to shoot. Celeste, Sebastian is right there. You can't hit him. That's not Sebastian right now. But you're not shooting him. That's still our friend. What do you mean? You are not harming him. He's with him right now. I'm not going to try to hit him. But there's a chance you might. I'm not going to let that happen. 
Sebastian stands in front of Valentine. Sebastian, get down here. But everyone's waiting on me to play. No, you played. It's done. No, look at them. They're they're ready. They don't, Sebastian. They're done. Bray has been slowly circling around to try to get Sneaky on the side and thinks she might try to roll to tackle Sebastian away to get Red a clean shot. If she's successful, I'd like to ready an action to fire an Eldritch Blast at Valentine. I would like to cast Polymorph on Valentine. You see Valentine raises his hand. Something you've seen very much. It's a dimension door. Him and Sebastian disappear. <gasps> and for today, that's a wrap. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh my god, god you're god gonna let me god. hang Damn. like that? <laughs> Shit, man. And you know what? No, we're not gonna leave you hanging because you're gonna go join our Patreon so that you can get exclusive access to behind the scenes episode where we're gonna talk about the episode. <laughs> Patreon.com slash cast party. Incredible. So amazing. Yes, where can they find you? What do you do? Oh, uh, well, you can find me in hell. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, my name is uh, Maisie Linney on uh, TikTok. That's where I do my Midwestern nerdy talks, which inspired uh, the accent because people have been wanting that for a hot minute and your podcast is great. So I was like, let's do this damn thing. But yeah, uh, you can also, if you like me playing D&D, uh, you want to see me playing a traumatized cleric that is possessed by a demon dummy mommy, that's going to be over uh, at the Dark Dominion podcast, which you can find on the 5% Chance YouTube, or listen to it on Dumpstat podcast, or catch it live at twitch.tv slash 5% Chance. All that other stuff is just Maisie Linny. We'll have all those links in the description. Thank you all so much for listening. As Ryan so nicely reminded everyone, we do have our merch store open for two more weeks. Maisie, you have to you have to say bye with us. Ready? Oh, oh shit! I'm, okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. He sat Jet down and put the amulet in his hands and told him to breathe. Once done with his breasts, wow. <laughs> Keep that in. Keep no. it in. No. <laughs> Colin. I also look like Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> but like young. Can you say that name again so I can use my Google machine real quick? What is, <laughs> what's his name? He looks like Fred Durst. Fred? From Limp Biscuit. <laughs> oh, incredible. The response I felt was visceral at best. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good yep. to know. Yep. Wonderful. I am glad you're still around, Bray, or else I don't know what I would eat. I used to love Sainty Love's turkey pot pie. He used to leave one for me under my doormat every third Sunday. That is until Eric Five found out and started stealing them just before I could get to it. I'd only be left with the smell as he darted away. Ebab Flo caught him once eating the pie with his hands out back of Wartorn Knight's tavern where he played that awful music. He named it Bass Drop. Luckily, I still had Jesky Fire, who'd bring braised duck eggs to me whenever her little duck Ash would drop a few. It was irregular at best, but delicious. Nyark tried to braise eggs as well, but she tried to use hummingbird eggs. They were so small. Dubward found one in my mustache a week later. He said it was still good. Lord Asherberg used to be the king of eggs, though. He could scramble them. He could poach them. He could fry them. He could saute them. He could bake them. He could do anything you dreamt of, and all of it was at least decent.
Isawik was more of a sauce guy. He liked making his own mustards, mayonnaises, even got some milk from Jeff the Milkman so he could start making his own butter to make sauces with. Lexi was like you, Elvin One, didn't eat the meats. She preferred putting a bunch of veggies in a pot and boiling the heck out of them. I thought I was going to hate it, but it was fine. Forerunner hated it, though. Said it tasted like the bottom of a lake. I would be inclined to agree, but I haven't licked the bottom of a lake in years, so don't remember the taste. Frankie was all about baking. Her and polyamorous swirl, they would make the most delicious cinnamon buns. They even used to put peanut butter with chocolate chips in between two of these cinnamon buns like a sandwich. Now that is a donut, young ones. That is how you do pastries. Ah, if only Red Mafia Panda was here. We would talk about food for hours, every day. All this food talk is making me hungry. Bray, is there any more rabbit?